Kayla Bird. Welcome to So Good, the Good Love Company podcast. It is me, Stephanie, your host and leading love and relationship expert and educator. I am the genius behind the Good Love Company brand, and I've helped thousands of women find themselves and find love. So get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, kick back, relax. It's going to be so good. I'm living that high life. Hello, darlings. Welcome back to another episode of So Good. I don't know why I did that. I was just feeling it. I say this every time. I feel like this is like the, the running loop, but I am so stoked for this episode. <laughs> I'm actually recording this earlier in sequence because of how timely it is. And I want to talk today about some lessons that I've learned along the way of being a relationship educator for as long as I have. The reason why I wanted to talk about this now is because a lot of what we're seeing in the online space and in the personal development industry is this fall from grace of leaders who present this happy, shiny relationship, and then make a lot of money off selling the ideal. So it probably wouldn't take a dummy to know who I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm personally right now thinking about Rachel Hollis. And I'm thinking about a lot of other leaders who have presented this image in order to perfect and craft a brand. And I got a couple things to say. So this one might be a little bit of a tea spill. So, you know, get a mug, get a glass. Let's have a, let's have a chitty chat. Okay, so by the time that I'm recording this episode, it's spring 2021 and left, right and center, we're seeing these influencers completely unravel and reveal the truth about who they actually are and really reveal their integrity and their belief system. And I know that like right now we're in such a polarizing time and there's a lot of conversation on on cancel culture and you know unfollowing problematic people and believe it or not, I don't actually subscribe to that. I'm never going to tell someone what to do in terms of how to how to follow people or, or who to, whose books to buy or whose conferences to go to. Or if you follow that influencer, you must think that because that's complete and utter bullshit. There are people I personally follow that I'm intrigued by, and it doesn't necessarily mean I agree with their stance, but I always, always like learning from people that I may not agree with. I really like polarizing people. I really like people who are able to say the fucking thing because it's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to put on headphones and plug my mic in and say, this is what I think about this. But I also say, you are free to decide for yourself. It's more for your consideration, right? So I'm not here trying to cancel anybody. I'm not here trying to tell you that if you, if you don't unfollow this person, then th- these are your value systems. I think it's insanity. But I will say that there is something really touchy about working in the personal development relationship sphere itself. So as a relationship coach, and I I know that for this example, I'm just going to really touch on the Rachel Hollis moment, and then I will go into the meat of today's talk. 
So I've always thought that Rachel Hollis was pretty basic. You know, nothing great, nothing extraordinary. It was kind of white bread, but you know, more power to her. If, if some 19 year old picked it up and felt better about themselves, then fantastic, right? But the reality is selling conferences about your fantastic marriage and working together with your husband and screaming about your fantastic marriage and then getting angry at people when your fantastic marriage falls apart is absolutely unacceptable. You kind of can't dupe people. And what I mean by that is this. When Rachel Hollis had her Escalando and she did her ridiculous clown ass live rebuttal, she was expressing rage and anger towards her fan base who were rightfully confused and surprised by her and saying inane things that directly contradict her whole entire brand and messaging. A book called Girl, Wash Your Face is literally meant to be so relatable that a girl's going to pick it up at Barnes and Noble and go, oh my God, how did she know that? Oh my God, I'm not the only one. Rachel Hollis's intention was to present this, it's okay, be you, be yourself. However, when the rubber meets the road and she is confronted with that back to her, she, she replies in a very angry way, getting very upset, saying, you, get, you don't get to know my private shit. You don't get to know, you know how me and my husband are doing. Well, maybe they do when you're selling conference tickets with you and your husband. Maybe they deserve an understanding Maybe the whole point of people coming to you and being upset is because they feel personally duped and misled. And then to have the announcement that you are getting divorced and then four days later you have a new book on the shelf about your unraveling marriage. This is why people are upset because you were in a dark time and you, you lied. So this is why people are upset. And it's very interesting as a relationship educator myself, because I watched her as I watch all couples that are front facing business owners to get a gauge. And maybe I'll go into in a different episode, my opinion of their dynamic and how I could for foreshadow a bit of rough patches, but for the sake of time in this episode, what people were so angry about was the fact that she was misleading people and then a few days after the divorce, selling a book about it. So that must mean that for a while, her and her husband were estranged or separated, yet still putting on conferences about how to be authentic. So yeah, people were fucking pissed let alone the comment about her housekeeper. I'm going to leave that for other speakers who've done a far better job talking about that. All right, so now that that's out of the way, I want to bridge with the idea of how the hell do you exist in a relationship when your relationship is on display, especially as a relationship educator? So first and foremost, yes, is there this 
constant impending pressure to have a flawless relationship? Yes. I will definitely say that those of us in the relationship education niche that are actually in relationships, which in my opinion, you should be if this is what you are teaching, it can be this really nagging pressure to ensure that you are good to go in your home life because you just know so much shit. When me and my man have an argument, it's so frustrating because I can see the catalyst. I can see the underlying resentment. I can see my part. I can see his part. And all I want to do is fix it. But I can't because when we do that, we remove the growth and learning. It's also wrong to take away my husband's process. So it's tricky. Being a relationship coach in a relationship that's you know, marriage, kids, forever, you're not going to be having a great time every single fucking second. In fact, for me specifically, we had maybe like two months of honeymoon bliss before I got knocked the fuck up. <laughs> like Bo was born a year after we started dating. So him and I have been as long-term locked in as you can possibly imagine, but I still have moments where I'm like, shit, we were in our human. Or fuck, we came from ego today. It's like a dentist with a cavity. Like, ah, how did I let that happen? I know better. (laughs) Well, sometimes things happen, right? And then you notice it, clear it, fix it, and move on with your life. So yes, those who teach relationships do have this pressure. And I think the conversation is really about how much of that do we share with our audience? So completely in full transparency, My partner and I have gone through very hard times. We have gone through incredibly stressful challenges. There have been times where our relationship was hanging on on by a thread. And yet here I am in this thriving business, helping women feel amazing and promoting this good love. But my man and I had a wild ass argument two days ago and I'm still a little pissy. How do you bridge that? How do you manage that, right? And so I think it's really crucial to share with you some of the lessons and some of the hardships that I kind of had to endure. So (laughs) I always laugh about this. Knowledge is not always power. Sometimes it sucks knowing things. And like I know, boohoo, world's smallest violin, but it is very very frustrating when you are watching someone in the process of managing an emotion and you're thinking in your head, okay, like I know what that is. I know what's going on. I know how I'm responding. What does my face look like? Is my body language in an expressive open way? Am I taking his bid? Is he noticing my bid? It is absolutely exhausting. The good part though is that goodness gracious, do we have a bomb ass relationship? (laughs) Because going through the shit with the information and the tools is fantastic. Let alone the fact that I have a partner who does the work because you need that. You can be the best relationship expert in the fucking game. You could be the PhD of PhDs, but if you don't have a partner who's doing the the matched effort, you're fish in a barrel. It's, It's completely useless. So It's safe to say that I do have a fantastic partner, (laughs) 
but I know how to pick them. So in terms of understanding the lessons in being a relationship educator, it is a little bit challenging to know so much about people. And then also knowing that you can't and should not coach your partner. Because the last thing that you want to be is your man's mama or your man's therapist. Nothing will squash your sexual drive and your sex life more than that dynamic. And that is lesson number two. (laughs) Don't try and coach your partner. It is not effective. I remember one time Jordan and I were in this very strange time. It was, I want to say, early 2017. He was a young dad, a lot of changes, like your early 20s, like, ugh, I would not want to relive that, but I had to because I lived with him. And I remember he was in his his ego about some bullshit. And here I come, Lottie Daw, with a pen and paper going, let's sit down and write out a letter. You're going to just set a timer for 10 minutes and write this out. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is going to be so helpful. He's so lucky that I'm here. He's so lucky that I know my shit. And wow, he can just get access to this for free. Like, holy crap, he should feel so good and grateful. That was not what I was met with. I was met with a raised eyebrow and the body language of a shameful eight-year-old. He resented it and it was incredibly awkward. I remember thinking like, how dare he not be grateful? And it was such an interesting moment because I now know, looking back, that I was overzealous, I was overeager, and I was trying to manage and process his emotions for him. And if you can take one nugget away from today's episode is that you cannot and should not even attempt to do that. Trying to manage and assess and dissect a man's emotional process completely robs him of the opportunity to become more self-actualized and know and learn himself. When we rob people from a learning opportunity, the growth is halted. And so what's going to happen is you're going to go through that same stressful stimuli all over again. It'll just be a different scenario, a different situation, but it'll be the same lesson. And so this manifests into quote unquote, controlling women or, you know, nagging women who just try and hammer home a point without thinking like he's not processing it because that's not how men process. So I learned early on that my work is not meant for my partner. It's very different than a compassionate ear. It's very different than me coming up and putting my arms around him and saying, what's going on, babe? Like you look stressed out, like I'm here for you. That's very different than me telling my man to do some coaching soul work that I've written. (laughs) It does not, it does not work. I see this with relationship coaches, especially newbies who are just like, wow, like I know this now and I'm just going to help everyone. Brings me into lesson three. Not everyone wants the help. This is the most frustrating aspect of relationship coaching and being a leader in this field is that a lot of people still, still think relationship coaching is a last resort or something to be ashamed of or embarrassed of. But I'm telling you, the people who resist it and think that it's silly and unnecessary or that they don't need it are the ones who need it the most. 
<laughs> they're the ones they need it the most. They're the ones that are posting these selfies where they think they look so hot, but they're very insecure. And then the next Insta story slide is some meme about how men are shit. Like it's, it's so textbook. It's hysterical. They're too prideful. Those women are just too prideful to admit that maybe they're the issue, that maybe something needs to be looked at inside of them. And it's not all men, right? So understanding that when I came into the coaching industry, like 2015-ish, that business coaches or any type of ROI that was monetary, they were hitting it, right? Money, 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 blah, blah, blah. But here I am in the like little tier of like health, love, and life where for some reason people did not think it was required. Or that like, well, I totally need a business coach, but I don't know, like I can just, you know, YouTube stuff. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like sure. And I think it's, it's just so important to be completely transparent about the relationship coaching side because it is nothing but a power move. The very successful women that I know personally, like I'm talking like seven, eight figure earners, all have some form of relationship help because business is relationships, communication skills, negotiation skills, boundaries, feeling heard, you know, hiring the right people, hiring the right coach, being able to feel okay, being able to feel confident. You, you want to figure that out quick, you hire a relationship coach. It, it cracks me up, not to mention the girl who is fighting with her husband and wondering why her launch isn't filling because your pissy energy is exhausting and you don't want to sell. You don't want to go on Insta stories and be like, what's up? What's popping? Because you're mad. So people oftentimes don't think, oh, maybe I need someone who can help me with how I handle relationship because you cannot avoid relationship. You don't have to create a business. You don't have to lose, you know, the last 10 pounds and get a six pack, but you're sure as shit going to need to work on how you talk to people. You, you can't avoid relating to people. You can't avoid interacting with people. So it would blow my mind when people would go, nah, I don't know, Meh. or then be like, what? You charge how much? And I'm like, yeah, because you didn't learn these skills and you've been living for 40 years and you're not where you want to be. So like, why don't you just learn this quickly with me? And yeah, you're going to pay for that. You're going to pay for the experience and education and expertise and the fact that I move people fucking fast. Like mic drop. I'm serious. One of the most frustrating things is when people dismiss relationship coaching as a you know, nice to have. At the end of the day, my job is to help women understand the power and brevity of relationships starting with themselves. Because most of us, most of us did not have the ideal supportive environment. I talk about supportive environment a lot because there's a difference between a loving environment and a supportive environment. My mother loved me more than anybody on the planet. I never, never doubted my mother's love. 
but she had no fucking clue how to support my emotional requirements, how to support what I needed as a sensitive, psychic, intellectual child. Most of us did not have super idyllic childhoods. And those who say, but I had a great childhood. Okay, how are this? How are your relationships? And again, like this is not meant to be sassy, but truly, how are your relationships? Are you able to communicate openly and freely? Are you able to voice and adhere to boundaries? Are you in any codependent, people-pleasing relationships? Are you angry at someone that you've just never told them? Like, assess your relationships, all of them, and tell me how they feel. I can't think of one person who doesn't need help with relationships. (laughs) It just cracks me up. So definitely lesson three for me was being gobsmacked at how people were like, I don't know. And I'm like, what? I would have killed for someone to tell me back when I was like 27, like, this is what you're doing. This is the message it's sending. This is why it's happening. This is what you can do about it. I would have given my last dollar for it. But instead, I had to learn the hard way and then integrate it and then become an expert in it to help you. So it worked out in the end. But my point is, is that truly one of the hardest hitting lessons in relationship coaching is the fact that people just don't see it as the magic power tool that it is. Lesson number four in what I've learned as being a relationship expert and coach for so many years is that 99% of what I see is absolute garbage. I'm telling you, trash. Matthew Hussey, throw it in the trash. Derek Jackson, throw it in the fucking trash. All of this shit, throw it in the trash. And you know why? It's because they're not teaching you anything other than how to be something different. And I'm not talking like stand out and be unique different. I'm talking actually a different person. Here's how to look better. Here's how to talk better. Here's how to be a better spy. Here's how to suss men out better. Here's how to, you know, be other than you. I feel it's very rare these days where you see relationship coaches going, listen, it's not about finding a guy in 30 days. It's about going, why don't I have what I want? (laughs) But the problem is, is that doesn't sell as much as get a guy in 30 days does. The problem with that is that the women who fall for that bait and switch end up feeling even worse and even more miserable. And then what do they do? They want to feel better. So they invest more into another cheap ass book that says the same thing, which just leaves them discouraged, frustrated, and annoyed and untrustworthy. So when someone like myself comes along that says, no, 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 it's the other way around. It's about going like, What do I need to do to really be okay with myself? That's the work. Like once that's clicked in, you tend to no longer be single because the world is designed to merge and pair. Maybe not right now with this BS out in the world, but for the most part, we feel better when we're connected. When you share something with someone and they get it, don't you feel incredible? The only way you're going to get that is if you actually have the ability to share openly. So seeing relationship coaches get these Netflix shows and they become these 
these guest experts and they're giving advice that only creates more disconnection is incredibly frustrating. So I see this a lot in shows where they have like a panel of expert and it's like, you know, they, they say tactic advice, like don't do this, do this, don't say that, wear this, don't wear that. But all that does is give someone directions without actually saying, okay, well, how do you feel best when you, what clothes do you put on that actually express how you feel about yourself? That can be jeans and a t-shirt and that can be a dress. It doesn't matter, but that's what you should wear, right? It's, it's not about, okay, well, guys like this, so I'm going to do that. I, I can't even tell you how upsetting it is to see women get played because it's not actually effective. Look at those relationship coaches who teach you tactical shit. They're all single and kind of douchebags and they cheat on their girlfriends and they can't like they're, it's, it's a joke. So I had to really double down and be mindful that there are going to be people who want the quick fix, like the people who will buy the diet pills instead of sitting down and going, why, why have I been carrying 30 pounds around for 10 years? The same thing happens in relationship coaching. And It's neat because it brings me into lesson number five and the final lesson for today's episode, which is that there are some people who get what you do and lives are changed and it's the best thing ever. So I'm going to get a little sappy here, but I have, God, I can't even think of the exact number, but I've been doing this work consistently for about five years. I've helped hundreds of women personally, thousands of women across social platforms and there are women who have said yes to themselves and put their trust in me, put their money where their fucking mouth was and listened to me for 90 days straight. They showed up to every call, they paid on time, there is no bullshit and guess what? They're happy as fuck, married with kids, living their lives. One of my favorite clients ever used to be so afraid to put on lipstick. She hired me originally to help get her ex back, which I giggled about because I said, I can't guarantee the free will of another person, but I can help you uncover why you want that. This woman today lives in Puerto Rico with her boyfriend and is a professional athlete who's also kind of famous. I also have another client who, through our work together, realized that she actually didn't like her job and she wanted more than anything to work in something creative. She's now a jewelry designer with an actual business, with actual people buying her designs that she used to be too scared to showcase because she didn't think she was good enough. So this is why I tell you like relationship coaching is one of the smartest things you can do, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because you need that grit and confidence. And the way that I do my work is I get you to discover that. I want to show you something you haven't seen before. I want my clients to have the best experience and feel 
what it's like to actually be seen and that it's amazing. And then when you pass that threshold of fear and ego and you go into this like bliss state of personal self-acceptance, man, does your life start. You just are unbothered by things. You are very okay with people not liking you. You are very self-possessed in your mission here. You know your value. You don't even need to post those memes about no, you're fucking worth because it's it's already there and it's just a it's it's woven into you. So being able to actually look back and go, wow, like seeing clients marry the guy that they were gonna run away from, have the baby they thought they were never gonna have change their career, move completely all because they did this work. So there you have it. Those are my five lessons that I've learned in the five years of doing this work that are pretty much the biggest standouts. And I want to thank everyone again for taking a moment, having some tea with me. You guys, I appreciate it so much. If you love this episode, please rate it a five-star review. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Tag a babe who needs this, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, lovebirds, there you have it. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that little pocket of time we spent together. It means the world to me. If this episode landed, if you felt like you got some mic drops, I'd love to know in the comments feel free to leave a five-star review as well. That always feels good. And if you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this, send her my way. Today's episode was so good, and I'll see you next time. I'm living that high.